welcome to Talk With Us Tuesdays, brought to you by the Mental Health Diaries podcast. We thank you for joining us another week, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello, hello, warriors, and welcome back to another episode of Mental Health Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Lady DMC, and I got here my co-host, co-blogger, and my BFF, Desi Girl. Welcome, girl, back another week to another episode, and thank you so much for joining me again. Thank you for the lovely introduction, Lady DMC, and glad to be back. We're very, very excited to be back with you guys today. Got a very important topic today. Um, Desi Girl and I are going to be sharing what our experience has been, uh, taking a retrospective look at what our journey has been with mental health, mental, mental illness. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, Desi Girl, can you give us a little bit of background on what your experience has been like, what it is that you've um, that you've seen in your journey with uh, your anxiety and your depression, if you could um, kind of let us know a little bit about that. Yeah, I am clinically diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, PTSD, and a TBI, or traumatic brain injury. And my anxiety started when I was little. Um, I remember when I was little, my parents said, well, we're going to pick you up at, you know, noon. I don't remember what time it was. And I was, you know, patiently waiting at my desk and noon came around and nobody came to pick me up. I didn't get called to the office to go home. And I just broke down crying because my brain didn't think like, oh, maybe they're late or they canceled the plan. But, oh, that's it. They left me. I'm abandoned. Like, I have no one to take care of me anymore. And I broke down crying in class and couldn't really explain to my teacher and my classmates what was going on because I myself at the time didn't know what was happening. I just was like, I'm abandoned. That's it. It's done. And my parents did come pick me up at the end of the day of school. <laughs> I did go home. But, <laughs> I mean, but for, for me, that was a huge moment because it only got worse from there. I you know, went into middle school and high school and college and that same abandonment feeling has always been there. I am the one to say, oh, I'll drive. I'll meet you there. I'll drive us. Like, I can't even be driven because I'm scared the person's going to leave me there abandoned. I also am very, I, I draw to conclusions a lot. So my anxiety has gotten worse over the years to the point where I do have depression and I start, you know, feeling really low and down, but I'll go on that a little bit in another post or another blog I mean but yeah my I remember having a panic attack in in high school and then my college counselor telling me hey I I think you have anxiety how long have you been dealing with this and if you read the post you've seen that like my family member has always described me as a sensitive a crybaby um telling you gotta be more strong lady d or Sorry, basic girl. <laughs> um, you gotta be more strong and stop crying. And, you know, I wasn't crying because I was trying to throw a tantrum. I was crying because I didn't know how else to express what was going on in my mind. And when I got that label per se of, oh, it's anxiety, that's why you start crying. That's why you have this full blown moment of like, you know, death is coming. I felt better, but then I also felt the same. Because now I'm like, oh, no, there's something wrong with me now. You know, I have something wrong. And in the South Asian culture, not everyone is as accepting of that. Understanding. Uh, 
yeah understanding thank you <clears throat> my family was very understanding like hey well that's just who you are and we're gonna work with that but you know i've had family members and friends who are like oh you know they're, are you crazy but i'll go more on that later but yeah so anxiety has been my my primary diagnosis you don't even understand how much i can relate to that <laughs> you know so it seems like your anxiety started when you were really young and as you said you know i don't think any of us who who start off that young really recognize it i mean as as i said in our introductory episode you know this ha- this whole process of creating this podcast and creating this blog has made me look back into just my younger years as well and realized you know what i also started with this when i was so much younger and i didn't even know what was going on um my my experience was a little bit different when i was younger i think you know i'll expand more on this in another podcast episode as well but i believe mine started in my school years as well and i think mine hit me most was with public speaking you know, I, I, I'm very pale, I'm very white, but I remember that when I would have my presentations, whether it be in whatever class, you know, if I knew that I had to go up and speak in front of everyone, I would turn even paler than I am. I would turn cold, start shaking, my voice, you know, I wouldn't be able to control it. Um, my heart would feel like it was gonna just pound out of my chest. It was just so bad. And I just thought, you know what, oh, like, this just really scares me. Like, I even kind of chucked it up to being a phobia. I'm like, okay, so I'm super scared of public speaking. Now that I look back into that, I realized that it caused me a major anxiety attack. Like, I, I remember I had a presentation in French class one day, and I went through that presentation preparing for it backwards, forwards. I knew all my lines. I knew everything I had to say. When I got up in front of the class, I completely blanked out. I had no idea what it was that I had to say, even though I knew everything I had to say. Now looking back at that experience, I say, okay, so that was my first trigger that I could ever um, rewind and remember and go back to, you know? And then um, as I grew older, you know, just life situations, uh, I'll expand more on this as well, but you know, with getting married, with just family situations, like with my parents and such, it just got me to the point where it pushed me to that first um, panic attack that you guys read about in the post, um, which is when I realized, okay, there's something wrong here. I, I need help with this. You know, this is something that is out of my hands, something that obviously I can't fix or control. So, And then that's when I um, was taken to Colombia, actually, on one of our vacations because my parents started seeing, like, how bad my mental health was getting due to just life situations and whatnot. And um, that's where I got clinically diagnosed. And since, of course, I don't live over there, I live here in the U.S., when I came back, I wanted to make sure that I could follow that treatment, follow up with the medication that I was given and such. And I visited another doctor here and um she she confirmed my diagnosis so that's where i was told that i have generalized anxiety disorder major depressive disorder that beat off each other and lady dmc you actually shared um a, a really deep incident that had occurred when you had your uh, a pan- was it your first panic attack or was it a panic attack that you had had oh it was 
I would consider it my first one because it was it was the one that's most engraved in my head and probably the worst one that I've ever felt. So yeah, it was my my major my first one. Um, for those of you that haven't read the post or just need a reminder, like DFC, could you tell us like a little bit what had happened? Yeah, for sure. Um, I just remember I was going about a normal day and then again, situation with my family, um, you know, due to the privacy uh, of my loved ones, I won't share the full details, but um, you know, we had stuff going on and whatnot. And one of the triggers popped up that day and one of my family members ended up leaving you know, taking a break from the home and such for the day for a little bit. And I just remember just that angst filling me up. Like I just started just thinking, okay, I, again, it, it felt like having the anxiety attack uh, back in my school days, only 30 times worse. Um, so I told myself, you know what, it's a hot day. I'm going to go ahead and just get myself in the shower. See, see if that helps me out a little bit. It helps me regroup. And then I just remembered Desi Girl. When I was there, I couldn't tell if it was my tears. I couldn't tell if it was the water that was going down my cheeks. And all of a sudden, my chest just starts tightening, literally cutting off my breath. And I'm like, what's going on with me? I am dying over here. I started screaming at the top of my lungs. It was awful. And thank God, like, this is how God works. Um, my dad was with me. So he hears me screaming. He comes into the bathroom. He's like, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm like, dad, I don't know. Just whatever it is that I'm feeling, I'm freaking out right now. Like, that's the only way I could describe it, you know, because I've never felt that way before. And um, he literally had to open the shower door, turn off the water and embrace me. Because if he hadn't done that, I felt like I was going to pass out and die just right there. Like, that's how bad it was. So that was my first experience with a, a severe major panic attack. Like, it didn't even feel like a panic attack. It just felt like I was having a heart attack. Like, it was over for me. Yeah. I mean, and thank you for sharing that, because I'm sure that was really difficult to write. And having to revisit it again today must be really difficult. And thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, it. Thanks for for saying that. Yes, it was difficult to write. It was difficult to put myself back in that position, but um, you know, I, I think as we've discussed, uh, it was just a blessing to be able to have someone there and to have yeah. my dad there to help me out. And, you know, we we share this because if it's going to help someone, then <laughs> it's all good. Right, right. You, you mentioned that you were diagnosed in Colombia and then you came back to the States Re got reevaluated, came back with the same diagnosis, mm -hmm. started treatment. Um, you know, from what you've said so far, it seems like your parents were very uh, supportive of your diagnosis, your treatment, and helping you need what you need or get what you need. Sorry, but did you have any pushback from any of your other family members or any other like fellow Latinas that may not agree with mental health or mental illness? Um, believe it or not, my parents were really supportive about, um, the whole, uh, therapeutic side of it. Like, mm -hmm. they, they definitely agreed that, you know, it was out of their hands too. There was only so much they could do as parents. And, you know, whether you're comfortable with it or not, you know, they just wanted me to get better. Right? right. But I think 
the major pushback that I got was when I realized that I needed more help and mm -hmm. that I actually wanted, I wanted, and I chose to ask for um, extra help with medication. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's the point where, because you know, sometimes for therapy, you could just go to <clears throat> just like a marriage and family therapist or just a regular psychologist, things like that. But mm -hmm. for medication, you actually have to go to a psychiatrist, you yeah. know? And when family members heard that word psychiatrist, you know, the stigma with that, oh my God, like they're going to diagnose you as crazy. It's going to go on your record and you know, you won't be able, if you need to switch jobs, it's, it, you're going to be labeled as a crazy person. Like you don't need medication, this and that. I think that's where I got the most pushback was when I was trying to get that extra bit of help outside of the talk therapy. Yeah, and I think that's pretty common because that was the, um, I didn't really get that pushback from my parents and I didn't share my diagnosis with anybody else per se. Mm -hmm. However, I do have family members that work in the medical field and um, have, you know, a little bit of knowledge about mental illness and they, they knew that I had anxiety and it was instead of saying, hey, like, why don't you get your daughter checked out or hey, you know, it sounds like you got anxiety. It was, oh, she's a crybaby or... You know, she's just not strong, she's weak, and who's gonna marry her and all that. And that, that stigma, that taboo just came out and that lack of education of kind of mental illness, kind of what you were sharing, that it's on your record. No, it's not on your record. Like yeah. employers don't know that you're on, you know, Zepexa or something. Like they it's it's up to you to disclose. However, you know, if you work in a certain position, maybe you do have to disclose it, but yeah, that taboo and stigma and misinformation really does mess with being able to say, hey, there's, I'm a warrior. I think that's a lot of the reason why most of us keep our mouths shut. You know, I, was, I really wanted the medication, but when I heard that misinformed <laughs> idea of, oh, it's going to be on your record, I'm like, okay, so do I really want that stain, so to speak? You know, yeah. when I'm going out there, like, do I want to be labeled as having a mental health condition, things like that. <laughs> and it was funny because when I actually went to, not even my psychiatrist, my psychologist before making the switch, um, she, I told her that, I told her family members are telling me X, Y, and Z. She just goes, are you planning to go to the military? I'm like, no. She's like, are you planning to be in law enforcement? No. She's like, you're fine. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> Like, you yeah. don't understand how many people, like, get prescribed these type of um, medications, psychiatric medications. Like, you don't even know how many prescriptions we've had to write for Zoloft and such things, you know? Um, so, yeah. No, I definitely agree with you that it's it's a lack of education sometimes with, with those around us. So, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And kind of, like, going back to you know, the stigma and the taboo and everything. Did, have you ever felt like you've had to educate family members about your mental illness? Um, yeah. I, I, I think I've had to teach them not just necessarily what anxiety and what depression is. Like, teaching them, it, like they say in Spanish, it's more than just nervios. Like, it's more than just being nervous or it's more than tristeza. You know, it's more than being sad. You know, this this is what goes on. This is what it's about. This is what it means. And then um, having to educate them as well on um, 
you know that process the whole therapeutic process i had i had to come to that family member that was giving me that pushback and tell her you know what no it's not gonna go on my record it's gonna be fine i'm just gonna get the help that i need that yeah. i want and know i need so yeah i i have had to educate and um, I'm sure with you, Desi Girl, as well, with your professional background now and your personal experience as well, I'm pretty sure that you've had to do um, some educating on your side as well with your families and friends. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I, you know, when someone thinks of anxiety a lot, I've heard that, oh, that's just a lame excuse for you to, like, say that you're nervous or stressed out. You know, like, we all get stressed. We all get overwhelmed. And you know that's you're invalidating my my mentalness my feeling what i'm going through and even like let, let let's talk about stress and overwhelm stress and overwhelm looks very different for each person lady mc you look very different when you're stressed and overwhelmed compared to what i look like most and definitely I, and from just describing my anxiety we have very different anxiety as well our anxiety presents very differently and so is our depression and having that background and like i'll kind of go back a little bit so i entered college as a pre-law major and i took psych 101 because we have to take as a elective or something and mm -hmm. i remember learning about different disorders and like the biological aspect of things and i remember like oh my gosh like this is just like a medical disorder you know just why why is this so stigmatized why is this such a bad thing to be diagnosed with a mental illness and you know I started taking more psych classes and eventually I moved over to becoming a psych major I, I just I remember having to educate other people like hey you know that's not what anxiety is or depression or PTSD or schizophrenia like yes a person could be talking to themselves but it's there's something going on internally that you don't see whereas another I don't I can eczema for example like you yeah. can see rashes all over you right like oh you must have so mm -hmm. yeah from a professional sense learning about it and educating people has been really difficult because I've gotten a lot of pushback and I've gotten pushback for just being a social worker like why aren't you a doctor why aren't you become a psychiatrist <laughs> you know it's like well we need people to do that psychotherapy part of it who are fellow warriors and who aren't fellow warriors but understand the culture aspect exactly i'm very grateful for for the line of work that you in i know it's it's not easy and i know that many days it means putting yourself aside to help others and yeah. pushing out of whatever struggles emotional struggles you're going through to be able to provide that help so hats off to you most definitely and just thank you for what you do for all of us and for the community so we really appreciate you thank you I want to kind of go back a little bit. So you mentioned you're recently married. Yes. <laughs> and uh, mental illness, it, it, just you alone dealing with this is already a struggle and your parents learning to kind of help you process through your panic attacks. Like your dad was able to help you get through the panic attack and I'm sure your mom's helped you through things. Mm -hmm. What was your experience like with your your husband like did you have to educate him was there any pushback did he struggle with having to kind of learn your triggers your warning signs and how to kind of help you get through them oh for sure um you know my hubby is a very a very faithful man so he's he's very much about um, you know 
following God, believing in God, and I could totally relate to that. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I chose this because we share um, a strong faith like that. So I don't want to invalidate um, any anything related to our, our Christian beliefs or anything, but you know, he himself just has so much inner peace, so much inner strength, you know, that he finds through God that when he started seeing me struggle, it was a little bit difficult. I think it might still be a little bit difficult for him to understand, but what I love about that is he just tells me, which is very true, and now I get it, he says, you know what, my job as your partner is not to understand you, my part is to be alongside you and walk that path with you and do the best that I can to help you um, push from those situations push forward from those situations and propel forward so um, I really can appreciate that and understand that so now whenever he sees me anxious he'll just pray with me or he'll be like okay I I don't understand it personally but I know that this is difficult for you so let's he'll take me out for dinner or he'll watch a movie with me he'll stop playing his games and he'll you know rub my back or you know, give me some words of comfort, trying to change um, my thought process in terms of like, take me to a different, more comfortable topic, things like that. It's been a learning process for him as well, but I think he's he's done a wonderful job of just being that rock that I need, even if he doesn't know the experience firsthand. So I can really appreciate that from him. And you know what, Desi girl, I also know that you told us that you are engaged. Yes. <laughs> to be, as I like to say, married. <laughs> so, um, if you could tell us what the experience has been like as well with your fiance, has he been able to help you and help you push through? Has it been a learning process for him as well? Yeah. So, he is a non warrior. And when we met, I, I didn't show my anxiety right away. So there was a lot of hangouts that were canceled because I was very anxious. I'd be like, oh, I don't want to hang out today. Oh. And it, it actually had a panic attack on campus. That's the first time he had seen my anxiety at full work. And, you know, I had a presentation that day in our class and I was like, I can't do it. I just can't. Like, like I'm going to pass out. I'm going to cry. I'm going to like, I had to create this whole world. And he was like, it's fine. Like, just look at me. You know, if worse comes to worse, like, I'll come up there and help you present, like, it's fine. You know, he, he handles it well, and then I was like, oh, okay, so he's cool with my anxiety. And I showed more and more of my anxiety, and we did struggle, because he he doesn't understand that thought process. The of, like, okay, I you told me to be here at 2.30, you didn't come at 2.30, and I assumed that you left me, so X, Y, and Z occurred. Um, it was really, really difficult for both of us, because I also had to learn to trust him and to trust that when he says 2.30, he's gonna do his best to get there at 2.30, but it may be 2.35 and it's okay. It's not the end of the world. So we've, it was a huge adjustment for both of us and him having to learn how to kind of help me get through my anxiety and how to like support me because there were times when I'm like, I just, if you didn't support me, right? I was like, okay, that's it, you're out. I don't want, I don't want to deal with you. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely important. Um, I think especially when it comes to us warriors, you know, picking who we're going to spend the rest of our lives with, you know. Mm -hmm. Personally, I understand I'm not easy to deal with. 
you know, especially when it comes to those days where it is difficult for me to focus, it is difficult for me to even complete the most mundane tasks, you know, um, I know I'm going to push it back on him, you know, whether it be because I'm going to be grouchy without meaning to be grouchy, you know, it's just, yeah. I, I'm not, I keep telling him, like, I don't mean to be rude to you, I'm just freaking out right now, and I'm sorry, like, yeah. I don't mean to go off on you, you know, like, things like that, or, you know, maybe it's a good outing and then a trigger will pop up and then I'll like start freaking out and then it, I feel like I ruined our date completely, you know, so yeah. just picking someone who's able to be there with you through the good, the bad, and the ugly, as they say, is yeah. absolutely crucial, I think, especially for us. A question, um, I, I know this has happened for me, so I can <laughs> definitely say yes to what I'm about to ask you, but do you feel that with with your fiance you've had to kind of tone it down a little bit because you feel that you're putting so much pressure on him and you're kind of you kind of feel bad <laughs> yes now since you mentioned that because i was going to the same thing yes so i have felt guilty i i guess it's guilt i felt guilty and saying okay i'm just not gonna say anything to him i'm just not gonna say that i'm really anxious or i'm really upset or you know i'm going you know, kind of what Stassi says from Vanderpump Rules, you know, the dark passenger is here today and <laughs> joining us in this journey. But yeah, I have. I've had to tone it. I feel like I've had to tone it down and it's not ended very well. Um, it ends up being a whole blowout over something very simple. And so we've learned, I've learned to just tell him, look, today's just the day that we are just not going to be getting along or, <laughs> hey, I just need this from you and I've also learned that he's also learned like okay well this, you know today it's just going to be the dark passenger and we're just gonna figure out how we're gonna go about it around it or through it but it's I, I felt guilty that's the thing I felt very guilty like I you didn't sign up for this you didn't sign up for my anxiety and my depression and the constant panicking and causing you know this whole situation I mean there's there's gonna be a lot of stories I'm gonna share but you know, I, I remember one where he had gone out of town and he forgot to tell me what date he was supposed to return. He told me another date and it was like a week difference, mind you. And oh, so shoot. I was talking to, actually, I was talking to you. Um, so I was talking to you and we were just talking about something general. And I remember telling him, like, okay, like, there's, I'm really anxious and I know you, we had, I don't think we were really open at that point about our anxiety quite yet, but I remember telling you, like, I'm so anxious, like, I think you're dead. I think the plane blew up, like, and, uh. like I remember you telling me, like, girl, you went from zero to 100 real quick. <laughs> and I was like, but that's what, you know, that was what my thoughts were. And when he returned, I told him, well, you lied. Like, you told me you weren't coming back on, you were going to come back this day and you didn't. And all this stuff, and it turned into a whole thing. And, but that was, I think that was where that turning point happened for him, where he was like, you know what, I need to... I, if I tell her the 29th, then it's the 29th. And if I tell her that it's 29th, I'm not going back to it. I need to make that communication. I also needed to learn to not jump to conclusions and not let my anxiety win. Oh my gosh. See, I, I believe this is why we're not only business partners, but why we're best friends. Because that is so 100 for me. <laughs> I'm exactly the same way. Like, so it could be like, I just wake up anxious for no apparent reason, just maybe a nightmare or something that kind of freaked me out or whatnot. I'll wake up and I'll just be like, you know, I'll just be throwing a fit and he's like, 
what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just freaking out. Like today's just going to be an awful day. Like I already woke up on the wrong side of the bed, this and that. And you know, saying stuff that I don't mean like, oh, it's just going to be awful. And I'm already freaking out and work is going to be this and that. And he's like, relax. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, I do have to catch myself, whether it be in the shower or cooking and whatnot, be like, you know what, Lady Damsey, like relax, breathe. It's your anxiety talking right now. Like your hubby is telling you something legit. There's nothing wrong. Like nothing's gonna happen to you. Just relax. So what I do is I try to meditate on it, take a deep breath and just realize, you know what? He's here with me. He deserves the best part of me. Yes, he deals with my anxiety and I appreciate that, but it's also my job to make sure that I can enjoy my time with him, you know? Not let my anxiety win. The mentality that I've tried to have uh, since I got married is my anxiety can win at any other time, but when I'm with him, try to make it as close to 100 of being okay as possible. I'm not always gonna get it right, it's still a learning process for me, but I just keep thinking he's a great support system. We have a good time together, he protects me, he loves me, so tone it down, you know, relax. <laughs> and try to not let it spark as much as it did in the past. Yeah, no, I, I totally get you. And there's times like, I I don't know if you've ever felt like this, but there's times where it's like, you know, I just need to manage my own anxiety today. So I'm gonna figure this out and I'm not gonna listen to anyone else. I'm not gonna let anyone else kind of get in the way. And I've, and this happened recently actually, um, where I felt like I had to manage my anxiety on my own, by mm -hmm. myself, figure everything out. And it turned out that I completely decompensated and I, you know, talked to my fiance and you and, you know, the both of you kind of helped me get through and said, okay, it's fine. You're not going to be okay today. It's okay. Like, enjoy your favorite TV show, go for a walk, go out and eat, do whatever you got to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my thing is all, my like MO is that guilt. Oh my God, I'm supposed to finish all this stuff and it's not done yet. I'm going to still have that panic attack, but I'm still going to finish 600 other things on my list. And that's something I've had to learn to say, okay, well, today it's only gonna be one thing on the list and that's okay. For me, I think it's um, the fact that he's already dealt with so much, like, you know, he's already put up with so much stuff with me that I just keep thinking like, oh, another day of anxiety added to his list, you know? Again, like you said, he didn't sign up for this, like, right. you know, this, he, he chose to do this, but it's, I don't have to just throw absolutely everything at him, you know? So I totally get it. And that's when I try to have conversations with him, tell him, you know what, work has been stressful. I just woke up, you know, not feeling 100% today. You know, if I'm, if I seem like I'm more in a bad mood, it's not you, it's the anxiety speaking. <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of just things like that. Just, I, I think it's a learning curve, not only for us, but for those around us, you know? No, absolutely. And I mean, they say that caretakers of, you know, the elderly need to have that support. I think, I guess, like spouses of warriors, they need that same thing where mm, yeah. you need to kind of decompense or not decompense, but decompress and mm -hmm. say, hey, I've dealt with the panic attack now. I need me time because that's something that we forget. We forget those that care for us, those non-warriors that are there for us when we are having our warrior moments. They need that that time and space too. Yeah, and it's, as you said, we, we both have uh, partners that are non-warriors, so they don't go through this, so 
we got to understand that for them, perhaps it's even a bigger learning curve because they haven't experienced it on their own, you know? It's, they're jumping into this world, unknown world alongside us. And I don't think we keep that in mind sometimes. Like, for example, I didn't understand what my journey was until my late 20s, as I said. So I already had a couple of years of kind of going through it, experiencing it. Him, he'd never seen it, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's tough. It, it can get to days where you're just like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, like another day like this. And then for me, I turn over and see him sleeping there in peace. And I'm just thinking, oh, great. So I'm not only going to ruin my day, but I'm going to ruin his. You know, wonderful. Yeah. The, it's like I like I don't already feel enough like crap, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, and that, that's a that guilt that we talked about earlier. Yeah. We need to get rid of that guilt because our significant others are doing an amazing job of helping us and kind of being like, okay, where do you need me? Like, do you need me here? Do you need me here? Like, and that that's important because there, there's an opposite effect where I've seen couples break up because of mental illness saying, I just can't do it. I didn't sign up for this. And yeah. you know, okay, that's that's a choice and it's okay that you, didn't, you don't want to deal with this or you can't deal with this. But we, we, we forget our fellow warriors that don't have the mental health aspect to it and mm-hmm. are warriors because they've married a warrior or you know their their child's a warrior so we forget that those non-warriors that do deal with mental illness they may not personally have it but they are caretakers or loved ones of warriors mm, yeah no and i think you said something really special you know i think this just is a moment at least for me of reflection you know just of the wonderful men that we have by our side you know they're sticking it out they're right there alongside us i remember too just texting you and asking you you know in those times where you have wanted to have a conversation with me and i asked you you know how's your fiance doing how is he is he helping you out and you've always told me the same thing you said he's always there he always is ready to have a conversation with me to help me through and i see that with my hubby too so as you said we have Look, he already proposed to you and I'm already married. Like, how much more commitment do we want from those around us? Right. I can say to my babe, I appreciate him so much for doing that for me, for sticking it out, being my ride or die, regardless of what he's seen, you know. He doesn't get it, but he tries to get it, and that's all I could ever ask for. (laughs) Oh, yeah, especially, like, not being able to understand, like, from, you know, professional standpoint. I don't hear voices, but I have patients with schizophrenia who mm-hmm. have auditory or visual hallucinations. I don't know what that feels like, but I empathize them. I'm like, you know, that must be really difficult to hear a constant voice in your head oh, that yeah. doesn't stop talking and tells you to do things. I mean, from that perspective, because it's hard. If you don't know what it, what's going on or you don't understand it, it's really hard to maneuver yourself around it. We love you guys. We do. <laughs> oh, we have two amazing gentlemen, so shout outs to them. Yes. <laughs> so before we say our goodbyes, I wanted to ask one final question. For sure. To our warriors out there who are afraid to either go out and seek help or to our warriors who are ashamed of their diagnosis, or seeking treatment, any words of encouragement, any advice, anything 
Absolutely. I just, um, the biggest suggestion that I could give, and I'll say this until I'm blue in the face, you know, this is a situation where it's absolutely okay to be selfish. Let me explain what I mean by that. You are your one, are the one who knows you're normal. You know, for example, how much, how much you eat normally in a day, how many hours you sleep. If you start seeing that that gets thrown off, that your pattern, normal daily routine and normal daily pattern is off the charts, you know, in one way or the other, too much or too little, and you see that you do need that help. Let me say this with heart and hand warriors out there who are listening to us. Nobody is going to be able to help you if you don't seek that help first. And it's like they say in those in the airplanes, you know, make sure that if those oxygen masks come down, you put yours on first before you help other people. And that just has so much logic. I used to think on that, reflect on that, and I was like, how selfish is that? Like, why would I put on my first? I would put my mom's on first, or my hubby's, or my dad's, before I do mine. But it makes sense. I'm no good if I'm dead. I won't be able to save the people next to me or help the people next to me if I'm dead, right? So I know that a lot of us out there, we have significant others, we have parents, friends, who want us around, who love us. Whether you believe that or not, there's always at least one person out there who wants us in their life. We have to make sure that we are okay, that we are 100% or at least as close to 100% as we can be. Ignore the stigma, I know it's difficult. Believe me, I've been through the judgment, but think about making yourself better. Trust me, once you get that help, once you get that treatment, once all that starts um, getting off your shoulders, all that weight starts slipping off, you are going to feel better and your quality of life is going to be so much better. Just trust me on that. I've been judged by my own family, but now look where I am. I was even at the point where I didn't know if I was going to get married or not. Like, that's how bad my anxiety was. Now look at me. I'm a wife. I'm still a daughter. I'm still a co-worker, a friend. And that's all because I pushed away what everyone else said that was negative. I took away that negative aura, negative energy, and just said, Lady GMC, this is about you. you need, you're the one that needs to shine for yourself and for those around you. And nobody else is going to make that happen if you don't want it to happen. So that would be my biggest um, piece of advice. Go out there, just do it. Be the Nike sign. Just do it. <laughs> Yes, 100. <laughs> All right. And for you as the with the professional perspective, I ask you the same question as well. To all those warriors, perhaps that are afraid to visit a social worker or a therapist or a psychiatrist, um, what would you suggest to them? What, what would be the one thing that you would say to them about seeking help? I absolutely seek help. Um, and share that with your therapist. I, I like to ask my patients, like, hey, you know, what made you want to seek therapy? What, um, you know, what are your hesitations? What are your expectations? As therapists, we are not very not others. We wish we had wands and not to fix things, but we can't. Being honest with your therapist and saying, like, look, my family's against this, or I'm ashamed, or whatever, and process that. There's help out there. There's national um, hotlines. There's... Hotlines have like texting and email, so if you're not comfortable talking on the phone, you can email and text. Help is out there and just grasp it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You you have to 
you know, therapist shop. And we'll talk about in a later podcast about that a little bit more. But I know that fear. I know that the thought processes that go into like, oh, if I go into this office, this is what's going to happen. And I just can't deal with this. And it it's there. And you can spend a whole session just talking about that processing that. I've done it several times. I do it all the time with my patients. And until you're okay and comfortable with, okay, I'm getting help. I'm going to get better. You can have a million therapy sessions, but you're not going to get better because you're constantly thinking there's something wrong with me. There's this defect or whatever those negative thoughts are. And, or if you don't seek the help, it's just going to get worse over time, unfortunately. And we've seen it in the media when a person has a psychotic break or a person becomes so severely suicidal that they complete suicide when had we intervened or had they said hey i need help we could have stopped that from happening get the help it's okay to say look i this didn't work or this is how i feel or this is what my expectations are because the therapist is there to help you just like a doctor just like a tutor even a tutor right like you go to a math tutor and say well i need help with geometry they're not Absolutely. gonna say teach you 12 years worth of math they're gonna help you with the geometry right exactly so, same thing with the therapist tell them what you want what your expectations are and they will help you with the best that they can i love that the fact that you need to be open and honest let them know every aspect of what's going on you know you need to seek the best treatment and keeping things like that you know shut out or not including it in the conversation isn't going to do you any good. It's not going to help you progress. I completely agree with that. Um, before we go ahead and leave our warriors as well, Desi Girl, um, I'm pretty sure that some of them may be interested in, hey, how can I reach out to these girls? Like, where else are they besides the podcast? You want to let them know a little bit of what other means of communication they have to reach out to us? Yes. So we have a few outlets. We have a website, mentaldiaries.net, where we have different tabs um, and we have a contact tab where you can send us a message and we typically get back to you within 24 to 48 hours. Um, we have an Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Our handle is mentaldiaries2, where we um, do mental health tips, daily tips. We post upcoming things on our blog. We post um, things about what's happening in the community. So that's another place that you can contact us. We also have a merchandise store if you'd like to represent us. Uh, link is on the blog underneath merch store. We also post three times a week. We have Meet With Us Mondays where Lady DMC and I submit posts or audio clips in Hindi and Spanish. We have Warrior Wednesdays where Lady DMC and I talk about mental health issues, current events. Right now, for example, April is Autism Awareness Month, so we've been talking about autism. And then we have Fundamental Fridays where we talk about like mental health topics and issues, and that's what our podcast is based off of. And of course, we have Talk With Us Tuesdays, which is our podcast, so every Tuesday we chat with you on your drive to work, the gym, cooking, whatever you're doing, we're there, we're chatting, we want to hear from you guys. Mm, thank you so much, Desi Girl. Yes, Warriors, we work very hard to make sure that we are connected with you. Please, please, please show us some love, subscribe, give us some likes, shoot us an email, you know. We absolutely love hearing from you guys. We love knowing what it is that you want to hear from us, 
what it is that you're liking, perhaps things that you want us to, or suggest that we modify here and there. We're on this process with you. This is your home, your online familia. So <laughs> reach out to us, we're all ears, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And I think that's all the time we have for this week, my warriors, but do not be saddened because we will be back with another wonderful episode for you next Tuesday. We love you guys. Stay happy, stay healthy, and we'll see you for the next one. Bye. We thank you for tuning into this episode. Please don't forget to comment and subscribe to the Mental Diaries podcast.